Welcome to the Kings of Sports, the program that's changing the game one show at a time. With your host, Nate Milton. Yes! And Marcus Vandenberg. So sit back and relax, because you're now Down with the Kings. Welcome to the Kings of Sport, the program changing the game one show at a time, a.k.a. the world's most dangerous sports show, a.k.a. iTunes' longest running weekly episodic program produced and hosted by two or more African-Americans who are not affiliated with the major network. We are back with a big show for you guys and girls this week. And not only are we going to talk about the NBA Finals, as you just saw through that magnificently edited video uh, that, that led off the program this week. Uh, but we've also got a very special guest joining us to uh, chop up all things basketball. So uh, before we get to that, let me bring in my co-host, ladies and gentlemen. He hails from the city of angels. Y'all know him. Y'all love him. Give it up for Marcus. Ironically enough, I too would not have qualified for the Olympics. Vanderberg what's good, brother. <laughs> what's up, Nate? How you doing? Not much, man. Not much. Been a, you know, it's been a, it's been a rough, rough week for me. You know, as anybody knows, my Hawks were eliminated, but you know, we put up a good fight. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just here to do my job, Marcus Vandenberg. I'm just here so I won't get fired. You got a head coach now? Yes, we do. Four years. Nate McMillan. Shout out to the homie Nate. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. The future's bright for, for, for Trey, the barge and them boys, your nephew out here on these streets. Uh, but 
before we get to the basketball, because like I said, Marcus, we got a special guest coming through for that. I wanted to catch up with you, man, and, and pick your brain about what's been going on lately, uh, in particular the Olympics, man. I, I just brought that up in the intro. And uh, the, the the recent rash, I guess. I don't know if rash is the word, but I, I'll go with it. The recent rash of decisions made pertaining to specific athletes in these Olympic games. Uh, I guess, I guess the marijuana suspension would be kind of be the headlining uh, event, but we've seen issues with our swimmers. We've seen issues with athletes and what kind of political messaging uh, they'd be allowed to uh, portray at the Olympics. So just kind of throwing all of this, Olympic stuff in one pot, Marcus Vandenberg, like so many pots of baked beans that was consumed over Fourth of July weekend. What, what what's your take on these Olympics right now, brother? It's been interesting because each situation is sort of different, but the overarching theme is it has involved um, black people, specifically black women. Mm. Uh, I guess we can start with Shatari Richardson, who was the breakout star from the Olympic trials a couple weeks ago. And she tested positive for marijuana, which got her a one-month suspension. And that basically rules her out of the Tokyo Olympics at the moment. Um, Nate, what are your thoughts on... I guess let's. I think we can debate. We can both agree that the rule is probably yeah. outdated at this point. Um, but then on the flip side, you can also debate too. Like everyone was aware of the rule, so it's that fine line of acknowledging one thing but also saying like the rules are the rules. And I think that's that's sort of where I fall <laughs> in. It's like you knew you couldn't smoke weed. And listen, we I understand that everyone copes differently. And, and the reason why she said she was smoking was to, to deal with the death of her, um, her biological mother, I believe. Yeah. Um, so there's just, and that sort of ties back into what Osaka was dealing with and just, you know, mm-hmm. stuff the French open. Uh, there's like, it is, I think very hard still to balance athletics and also trying to balance mental health because I don't think the athletic side is prepared to deal with, how do you, you know, mix in mental health with all that? So, um, it's unfortunate. Um, I also understand, you know, why she got suspended, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I feel like it is a a dumb rule, an outdated rule, uh, you know, an archaic rule, I guess you could say. Uh, but it is the rule. It is the letter of the law, and Technically, they did what they had to do, mm-hmm. but it it just feels like sports need to meet the meet their athletes where they are right now in twenty twenty one. Yeah, instead of holding them to a set of standards, a set of rules and regulations that were made in the sixties or the seventies or the eighties, and it's like. I don't know your your shall we say relationship, Marcus Vandenberg, with marijuana. There is none. With that sticky icky icky, with that chronic. But let, look, look, I've I've had I've had a you know uh, a tango a time or two. 
And mm-hmm. let me just say, never ever in the history of my interactions with weed have I ever gone out and ran a 10.8 yard dash. Never. And so it's not a performance enhancer, Marcus Vandenberg, is what I'm trying to tell the people right now out there listening. But it is the law. It is, you know, the rules. And she acknowledged that. And, and I will give her credit for that, man. Like, she, she's not I, out here fighting it. She's like, I, I'm taking responsibility for my actions. Thank you for pointing that out. I, I should have mentioned that from the top. Shatari's handled this, like, this is how you should handle your mistakes. Yeah. What's been funny is just like how people around her have handled it, where, you know, it, it feels like people on, on social media are more upset, are more upset with this decision than she is. Like she didn't make any excuses. She owned it. She got in front of it. You know, she's, she's already talking about, you know, four years from now. So mm. I think that's the way you sort of handle these situations. Um, you know, Twitter sometimes can be, a little dramatic, uh, mm-hmm. a little extreme. And I think we, we've seen that in this situation. But, yeah, t- thank you for mentioning that point. Yeah, and I think, Marcus, what made this situation kind of stand out is not just this one incident on its own, but like you were saying earlier. Like, there's a lot of different things going on with the Olympics, with international sports, particularly when it comes to the way that they treat black women or talk about black women in some cases or or deal with black women. And so like, I think if this were just an isolated incident, that would be one thing, but it feels, it feels personal, even though it's probably not personal Marcus, but it it, kind of feels personal. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, like with the, with the swimmers and the swim caps and, you know, where we're talking about, the way that certain athletes' bodies look, you know, uh, and it's, it's, it doesn't it doesn't sit well with me, is what I'm saying, Marcus Vandenberg. The swim cap one is the one I take issue with the most. To be of course, uh, being somebody with with good hair. Yes, you got to protect this hair. Um, <laughs> and that was a situation where a black-owned British company, Soul Cap, had, creates swimming caps specifically for black hair. And um, the International Swimming Federation banned the swim cap, saying Mm. that it doesn't follow, quote, the natural form of the head, whatever that's supposed Mm. to mean. Yeah. And that's a situation where it's definitely, like, targeted and personal. And a situation where um, they could have made an exception for, for this company to have their their swim cap included. Like I, I don't think the swim cap is going to um, have a direct impact on the results um, in, in Tokyo. So yeah, it like just the phrasing, like you said, Marcus, when they're talking about the shape, the natural shape of the head, man, it just felt a little like, mm, like a little suspect. Like I don't know, is it a phrenology, like the study of the 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 shape of the 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 skull, uh, but like. Back in the days where, you know, just comparing black people to monkeys and apes and all sorts of beasts and animals and whatnot. It's like, mm, mm, like you ain't saying it, but I'm feeling right. it. Yeah. And, and so like, I, I, I don't know, Marcus, because this is not something that is brand new. You know, we, we've talked about this from time to time over the years, but it's like 
an incident will happen and it'll be a big deal for a couple of weeks or one Olympiad and then it'll just disappear. And we'll forget that there have been incidents and issues over the years when it comes to the way international sports, and in this case in particular, the Olympics treat athletes of color, particularly black athletes. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what the solution is. Like, like is it and, – and this would never happen just because, A, there's too much money involved, and, B, these people have worked their entire lives to get to this point. But, like, the only thing I could think of is be like a boycott, man. Like, like, like we, ain't, we ain't doing it. We ain't running. We ain't swimming. We ain't jumping. Yeah, I mean, there, I've seen chatter from people online saying, oh, I'm not going to watch the Olympics, and I'm not going to, you know – call your bluff on that but i think we've seen this before with football in particular where people mm-hmm. are like i'm not gonna watch football we all watch football it's all right we're not i'm not judging you nate's not judging you it is what it is <laughs> now if the athletes start talking about i'm not going to participate in the olympics okay now we're talking but you viewer at home you i mean I, i'm not buying it um i i think it's tough for the athletes because the olympics are such a Raiders, you might only have one shot. Yep. Are you going to? Are you willing to sacrifice your shot at the Olympics for the greater good? And you might get, you know, fifty percent of the of the black athletes to sign on, but to get a hundred percent of the athletes, mm-hmm. that's that's asking a lot. I mean, this is why, you know, looking at comparing this to the UFC and, and the union stuff, it's probably why we don't have a UFC uh, union in the UFC because it it takes commitment from across the board to stand up to the company and say, look, we deserve X amount of money. Yeah. So I, I can not this year, maybe if this stuff carries on through 2024, um, in, in Paris, or even, I think if you really want to hit them and if hopefully this is not an issue eight years from now or seven years from now, excuse me, but 2028 in Los Angeles when mm. the Olympics are in your own backyard mm-hmm. and if they're still dealing with some of this seven years from now, now we're talking now we're talking about a direct impact on yep. an Olympic cycle that, you know, not that this game, not that the Tokyo games don't matter but I think we all can agree that it's not gonna be because of COVID and because it's a year late and because the fans will be limited if you bring that back to American soil in seven mm-hmm. years, now we're talking. Yeah. You go around and mess with President Kamala's Olympics, y'all. <laughs> it's going to be serious <laughs> then, Marcus Vandenberg. Uh, but speaking of serious, man, NBA getting serious. Down to the final two, brother. Uh, my Hawks were eliminated, and, and your, in quotation marks, Clippers uh, were eliminated. And we we're down to two, man. The Bucks and the Suns, and uh, I've, I, there's so much to talk about with the NBA, man. Whether we talking about the finals specifically, or uh, you know some of the offseason moves that have already begun, or uh, what the hell is going on with your man Scotty Pippen out here on these streets, <laughs> Scotty? But uh, to help us, man, to help us facilitate this NBA conversation, we're going to bring on a new friend of the program. Y'all might have seen this brother on YouTube or checked out one of his podcasts, man. He's very informative when it comes to all things NBA and professional wrestling. So uh, let us bring in our good brother, 
SP3. Welcome to the show, man. How you feeling? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I, I just uh, became friends with you guys, and I feel very honored to be on this podcast. You guys got a long history, great episodes, following the world of sports, so I'm very happy to be here with you and talk about the NBA Finals, Nate and Marcus. I have two questions for you. One, um, where do you live? I am a native New Yorker. I live right in the uh, Harlem part of uh, New York City. Oh. Harlem, born and born and bred. Follow-up question: What part of Harlem? I I grew up on One Thirty Fifth and Eighth Avenue. Right Ooh. now, I'm located on One Hundred and Tenth Street and Fifth. Uh, so I've kind of been all over the place. Oh, you're moving down? Thing. Okay, I, yeah, I see yeah. You, I see you moving down to the One Tenth. I'm, I'm moving <laughs> down. I got I got one year old twins now, so I'm trying to get you know a little bit lower in the in the number range. But I'm I'm Harlem, you know, through and through. Even my daughter's name, her name is Harlem. So I, oh. I follow through on it. <laughs> okay, I lived on. Uh... 144 from Lennox. My man. Um, and I think we talked about this on the show. Nate, I told the robbery sh- story yes, on the show, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, real, real quick, I was doing some subleasing from someone who probably shouldn't have been subleasing to me. Um, in such a Nate, maybe, allegedly. And one night... Statue of limitations? The, yes. Uh, it's been... It's been uh, 13 years, so we're good. Uh, <laughs> one night I was at the crib sleep. It was actually during the Olympics, funny enough, <laughs> and um, heard this this commotion coming from the the living room, and my door was closed. I thought it was my roommate. Opened the door. It was two dudes, two maybe not even dudes, two teenagers, um, that were inside my apartment, and I closed the door, and I propped myself my back on the door so they couldn't get in and called 911 and uh eventually heard them leave to the front door um they took some stuff out of my roommate's room they could not get in my room um they only couldn't get in my room because as i mentioned 144 from Lennox, um not the best place we had some rodent no. issues at our place yeah. and in order to keep any mice out of my room i had something propped up under my door um, and that was the only thing that sort of woke me up is when they tried to open my door and push it open, that, that was my cue to like, Hey, what's going on? So, mm-hmm. um, so that was my time in Harlem and how they got in my apartment, by the way. Um, and Sid, you probably will be familiar with this. So I lived on the fourth floor and we had a, um, push in AC unit that we, we had installed in the living room we had never fully locked in so mm. they were able to come up the fire escape push out the ac unit climb in they put the ac unit back in which i respected <laughs> them for doing that <laughs> and uh that's that's how they got in so that was my that was my time in harlem but, oh we, might, we might be criminals but at least we got respect for people's property <laughs> yeah um, and the cops, of course, the, the cops show up. They did. They did nothing. They they were questioning me for why I was living in this apartment in the first place. And I said, "Don't worry about that. That's that's a different conversation." I, I ma'am I, and sir, I, it's three a.m. and I've been robbed. What are you gonna do about it? They did nothing. I feel like we're 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 cousins now, Marcus, because I also had the statute of limitations on Section Eight. I moved to the Bronx. 
And as as my name says, I'm SP3. I'm Sid Pollard the third. My father is Sid Pollard Jr. So I used his Section Eight as he was in uh, Atlanta for a couple of years. I used his Section Eight for about three, four years. That was like ten years ago now, so I could I could be open about it. So I used We're the in the Bronx. Of, I was on uh, right by Yankee Stadium on Ogden Avenue, one sixty-six. Okay. So yeah, I, right I used the, the statu- statue of limitations. I I used to hear the games from my terrace. So yeah, yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from in multiple yeah. ways. Yeah. I I think that speaks to the bigger issue with with housing in New York. If if this is the measures you have to go through to find some type of housing, then that that speaks to a bigger issue. But yeah, true. It's true. So, so being from New York, I guess that that leads to the burning question here, brother. Knicks, Nets, who who who, who you riding with? Uh, I, I am I'm a rare New Yorker. I have never been a fan of the New York basketball teams. My Whoa. mom, my mom is born and bred a Knicks fan. So by the time I was like three, four years old, and I was really like started following the NBA, I, it made me like root against them. Because I wanted to be different in my household. Uh, my stepdad moved into the house around when I was like five or six. He was also a Knicks fan. So I, I first grew accustomed to Michael Jordan because he used to be the guy that beat the Knicks. So mm. that was who I rooted for first. And then at the, I think I was about eight years old, my sister uh, did work in Philadelphia. She took me to a McDonald's All American game and I discovered this great basketball player who was only 17 years old, Laura Marion High School. Kobe Bryant, and mm. that became my my favorite player even before he got drafted. And then when he got drafted, traded to the Lakers. I've been a Lakers fan since I was eight years old. So that is my team. So you can understand I'm similar. You know, Nate, you've been feeling this feeling for only about a week. Your Hawks did way exceeded expectations. But, you know, I, I'm not used to this feeling of, my Lakers getting bounced in the first round. We either don't make the playoffs at all, like we did for six years before LeBron got here, or we make the playoffs and we make it to the NBA Finals at the very least. So this has been a weird NBA playoff experience for me, but it's been very fun to not have that investment of you know you know you win your 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 mood depends on if your team wins or lose. It's been nice to kind of just watch the games and enjoy basketball for the basketball. Mm. So before we get to the finals, let's let's you know you brought up those Atlanta Hawks, America's team out here, brother. So let's let's talk about the two losers of the conference finals uh, real quick before we talk about the finals itself. Uh, out west, we had the Clippers and that man PG playoff P. Yes, uh, they fell to Chris Paul and, and and them sons. And then on the east, uh, we just recently saw the Bucks Hawks series conclude. Uh, Trey Trey the Barge, Marcus's nephew, uh, did the best he could on a. On, on, on one one good foot, but uh, they they fell to the Bucks. So, you know, you can start with either one of those uh, SP three. Like, what what are your uh, prognostications, man, for the future of the Hawks, which I think is pretty bright, and the future of the Clippers, which might be a little bit more uh, cloudy, shall we say? It's a little shaky. Um, I'm not I'm not you know a pessimist. I don't think that Kawhi Leonard is going to leave. 
But I do know Kawhi Leonard that he's going to look at all of his options before he makes the decision to most likely stay with the Clippers. Uh, obviously, like I said before, I'm a Lakers fan, so I am born and bred to boo the Clippers, especially when you got people like Rachel Nichols trying to convince me to cheer for the cheer for the Clippers. They're, they're from the same city. Uh, they're from the same city. Why can't you guys just get along? I'm from New York where Knicks fans hate the Nets. Mets fans hate the Knicks. Yankees fans hate the Mets fans. And the Mets hate the Yankees. Like, this is, when you're from New York and you hear stuff like that for, you know, the L.A. folks that are in L.A. that are Laker fans, are Clipper fans, and they're like, oh, cheer each other. I'm just like, that's not what sports is about. Sports is about you pick the team, you ride or die with them. I'm the, I'm a Lakers fan, like I said, because Kobe Bryant got drafted there, and I was a fan since I was young, and I've stuck with them this entire way. I went through six years of Kobe's injury, then post-Kobe, of losing and losing to the fact that the player that I dislike the most, LeBron James, comes to my Lakers, and now I got a root for LeBron. So it's it's been a very conflicting couple of years for me. So don't tell me to cheer for the Clippers after the Clippers were bragging for all of those down years that they were better than us with Lob City and stuff, but they never made it past the second round. So, yes, I, I'm not the biggest Clippers fan. I root for them to lose, but I was very much impressed with what they did. Kawhi Leonard goes down in the second round. Paul George, with all the the scrutiny that he got, you know, pandemic P, I was a part of that bandwagon because, you know, I was still salty that PG turned us down and re-signed with the Thunder just to leave them the next year and sign, and go with the Clippers. He, he, he doesn't seem like the most loyal guy. He seems like a guy that's always, you know, got an excuse for something, whether that's Dame Litter shot in his face or losing to the Jazz in the first round. He's always got an excuse for something. So I'm not the biggest PG fan, but he definitely impressed me with what he did in the second round and playing hard against the Suns, getting two wins, forcing it to a game six. So I think that the Clippers have a better outlook than what they had last year, losing, you know, in the second round, blowing a 3-1 lead. All they have to do is re-sign Kawhi, get the, 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 you know, the supporting cast around them, and they'll be in good shape. The Atlanta Hawks exceeded. Okay, let's, let, hold on. Let's let's put a pause real quick because I, I want to stay with the Clippers for a second because while you was talking about the Clippers, man, it brought to mind, Marcus, the saddest visual of the playoffs perhaps, and that was former guest of this podcast, Clipper Darrell, before <laughs> that last game, Clipper Darrell and Marcellus Harris, that dude. Dancing out in front of the stadium before the game, and it's like, fellas, if you if you knew then what you know now, how this season is gonna end, you might have danced a little bit differently. But Marcus, are you out there in LA, man? Like, what's what's the mood around this basketball team? Like, do do Clippers fans feel like they they've got a foundation here with Ty Lue and with PG and Kawhi if Kawhi decides to come back? Like, is it optimism or is it as Chris Ely, friend of the program, would say, like, this team is cursed. Who are these Clipper fans, by the way? <laughs> are are they Cl- fans? I guess that's, no. the, that's the more pertinent question. <laughs> Where problem. are the Clipper fans? No, it's Daryl. It's um, <laughs> Marcellus. Marcellus. And who's who's the uh, – Is it Frankie Muniz from the Malcolm in the Middle? Is he still yes, a Clipper yes. fan? Yeah. He's their Billy court Yeah, Billy Crystal. <laughs> so they got about five <laughs> Clippers fans. <laughs> There, there is no chatter. There is no vibe because there are no fans. And I was impressed that they're able to 
you know, sell out these games with COVID and everything because I was like, who are paying for these tickets? And I, I'm convinced it was Laker fans that were just wanted to go see some playoff basketball and um, maybe cheer for the other team. But there's no, there's no chatter about the Clippers out here. Um, I am not someone who is rooting against the Clippers. I just don't think they're um, relevant to that point. Um, I don't, I don't hate them. I don't dislike them. They're just sort of who they are. And, um, you know, as, as far as next season, it starts with Kawhi, assuming that Kawhi injury is not going to be a long-term deal. And there was a report that, um, Chris Haynes put out before game six that he was, had a shot at coming back for the finals. So let's assume that Kawhi is, is healthy, um, he will he will probably resign with the Clippers. He'll probably opt out for some type of new deal, but he'll stay. Paul George, I think the only concern with that would be he looked much better with Kawhi off the court, and he did. Now I'm now I'm curious to see how these two can operate and play together. Mm-hmm. And if, if Paul George can still be Paul George with Kawhi on the court, and if if he goes back to being sort of the Paul George that we saw um, with Kawhi then I think that's going to be a problem long-term for the Clippers because I don't think the, the way those two are playing together yeah. can't win together uh, a title. If, if Paul George can play like Paul George did the last month and you at me factor in Kawhi, now we're talking. So, And then they need to They need a point out. guard too, don't they, Marcus? They, they that, need a point guard. That to yeah. me was like something that came became evident in, in this postseason run. I don't know where they would stand in the Kyle Lauer race. Um, mm-hmm. they would have to do a sign and trade, I think, with the Raptors to pull that off. And I don't know what the Raptors would want from the Clippers. I guess Terrence Mann has upped his stock. There might be a good young piece for the Raptors if they're able to figure out all the money situation. But um, <laughs> I think that should be their number one target as a point guard this, this offseason. Mm. So now, Marcus Vandenberg, speaking of point guards, there's a team out here in these NBA playoffs that we saw. Might have the most exciting point guard in the game right now. Hairline aside, we ain't going to talk about that. It's not about what's on that man's head. It's about what's in his head, and that's that basketball IQ. So uh, let's talk a little bit about these Atlanta Hawks. It, uh, big news today, uh, news that we kind of knew was com- coming. Uh, Nate McMillan, who was the interim coach, took this team on a great run all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals when nobody was expecting it, beat New York, beat Philadelphia, uh, you know, had a good couple games with the Bucks, but ultimately fell to Milwaukee. But uh, Nate McMillan got a four-year deal with Atlanta, which I think is a good thing. A very young team. Like, this team, you forget, man. There's a lot of young pieces on this squad, man. Cam Reddish, we finally got to see a little bit of him in the playoffs, and I think Cam's a player with, with some upside. We saw Red Velvet, Kevin Herter, uh, like, that. This Marcus and I talked about this a couple weeks, man. Like, there's a lot of moves they could make, whether it's, you know, standing pat and letting these young guys grow together or, you know, putting together a package of some of these young guys and bringing Trey in a little bit more veteran help, you know, particularly somebody that can get their own shot. Uh, because that that's the one thing I saw from the Hawks, man, in this postseason that I think is a point that needs to be addressed, Sid, is when Trey's sitting, who's getting buckets? This is true. This is true. I mean, I would love to see them 
to use their young players to create a package to get Zach Levine. I think Zach Levine is a guy that, you know, me as a Lakers fan, I felt that the Lakers should have got him like the last season when we were making all these moves, getting Schroeder, getting Harold. I was like, we could create a package to get Zach Levine. We'd be set because we needed a third guy who can make his own shot. But I think he would, he's kind of the perfect fit for the Hawks because the Hawks kind of need that two guard because yeah. Kevin Herter. Uh, I mean, he 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 get he get a plate at the cookout for sure, but <laughs> I I don't know if that's the guy to to put along with Trey Young and win a championship or even make it you know to the finals. I don't think that's that's possible. No, but what we he's saw, he's a good bench guy. Like he's a yeah. great role player, but he's not a number two. Yeah, and then you also have to take into account the Hawks were living at full health. They didn't have DeAndre Hunter, who at mm-hmm. times during the regular season, I thought he was a most improved candidate. Um, I think I think Clint Capella, he's not going to stay long term with them, so they kind of need probably help in the in the front court as well. Probably a, a long term, like a little bit younger of a center. But the, yeah. the Hawks have that like, core. There, there were points in the season where uh, there were points in the season where Nathan Knight. Showed some glimpses. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, my, my African brother, who I always mess up his name, uh, Big O. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Like, I, I think they, they've got a couple pieces, but I could see them, you know, maybe getting a veteran who's not too expensive to yeah. come in. Uh, like in my mind, I'm thinking, and, and I'm just thinking this way, Marcus, cause it's my go to on NBA 2K. Whenever I need like a veteran center for like a year or two. Like is is Boogie Cousins available? Oh, like, what's Boogie I knew doing? you were gonna say that. I do, I do the same thing. Boogie Cousins is like the easiest guy to get as a backup center in two K. He doesn't cost you much. He gets buckets, gets rebounds. So, but, but I think, and Marcus and I went back and forth on this a couple weeks ago. Like I, I think in my mind, just because I'm an impatient fan of these uh, these Atlanta Hawks, I would like to see them make a move. And and you know, if it takes giving up. Herter, as much as I respect that dude, if it takes giving up Hunter, like I think that's a move you you can make. But I also see there's wisdom in if we've got some really good guys, young guys on this team who aren't costing us money, who aren't costing us draft picks, maybe we let this cook for for another season and see what we get. Well, you guys also got to decide if y'all want to sign John Collins long term because I think his deal. I think is they the- do. The question is at what price. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He's going to want to get kind of the the money up, not of Trey Young that Trey Young's going to get because I think Trey Young's going to get the bag after this uh yeah. this playoff run. And I think that it's it's kind of been uh silly. I've been hearing like the sports talk asking if Trey Young is a superstar. Then what this man did in the, in the in the playoffs like how dare we ask this question? Yes, he's a superstar. I said it before these playoffs. I said that the Hawks were going to make we're going to make the playoffs this year. I knew they were going to win. I like I'm like I said I'm in New York. I had a whole bunch of Knicks fans around me like, "Oh, we're so hyped the Knicks are fourth seed." I was like, "Y'all going to get bumped in the first round." I was like, "The mm-hmm. Hawks is going to beat you." I was the only one on my bracket in my little group chat that had the Hawks winning in the first round against the Knicks and especially Especially after the Knicks drew a freaking Labor Day festival after they won one freaking game. I was I was embarrassed to be from New York. I gotta rant a little bit about Knicks fans. Like Knicks fans understand this. Like I'm a, yes, I'm a Laker fan, so I, I understand winning. 
but act like you've been here before. Yeah, y'all act like eight years of not being in the playoffs is 80 years. Y'all are not the Sacramento Kings. Y'all are not the, the LA Clippers who never made it to the conference finals until this year. Y'all are the New York Knicks. Y'all have had a level of success. Y'all been to the NBA finals in 99. Y'all were in the playoffs consistently with Carmelo Anthony. How dare you act like one victory in eight years is like you won the NBA championship. I was embarrassed to be from New York. And after that point in time, I was like, they shouldn't win another game. And they didn't. So I'm happy. I was an Atlanta <laughs> Hawks fan in the first round. And I, I thought they were going to get bumped by the Sixers. But, man, Doc Rivers is making choking his occupation. He's not a coach. He's a choke. Like, his, his choke before coach with him because that that display of coaching, keeping Ben Simmons in when mm. they were doing the hack of Simmons, it just didn't make any sense. But the Atlanta Hawks showed that they were a better team. They had better coaching. I'm so happy for Nate McMillan. I thought I thought it was it was it was wrong of him to lose any job that he's ever had previously in the league because he's always been a quality coach, but he really elevated the the Hawks. So I'm glad they made a long-term investment to him. And I think like the future is very bright with the Hawks because Trey Young's going to get better. If you decide to re-sign John Collins, he's going to get better. He showed a lot in these playoffs as well. Capella, if you decide to go with him long-term, he's a guy that's great inside to be that defensive anchor. Uh, Oneka has a, has a bright future as well. So your front court is kind of set. It's really, to me, like I said, it's the back court. you got to have someone that can create yeah. his own shot right next to Trey Young. And I think Zach Levine is one of the better options out there. That's that's an interesting uh, idea that I hadn't heard talked about a lot, but I, in my mind, I kind of like that, Marcus. Uh, you know, you and I talk a lot about the Hawks this season, you know, with your nephew playing out there on, on the court. And before the playoffs started, I would have been happy with just the first round win. Like mm-hmm. making it to the second round to me for this team that, you know, was just looking sorry when Lloyd Pierce was there. Like winning in the first round to me, that would have been a successful season. But then to go and beat Philly and then to, you know, get to the Eastern Conference Finals, like to me, that's an overachievement. So I, I feel like I know a lot of Atlanta sports fans today and this this past weekend are like, oh, this is what Atlanta sports teams always do, this, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, man, this is different. Like this team this different, did, yeah. did not have the expectations. They weren't supposed to make it this far. So I think to me there's cause for uh, optimism with this team, man. And with this run will come exposure. You know, Atlanta, I think, had maybe a couple of national TV games this year. That'll change. Yeah. Uh, you might even see Trey Young on Christmas Day, which I'm sure the league will love to have that. Ooh, Trey, Trey uh, Luca on Christmas Day would be would be nice. Oh, I like that. No. Send him back to Madison Square Garden on Christmas Day. Oh, for, oh yeah, oh, yeah. That yeah. would be <laughs> yeah, I let, like the way you think. Let him... Yeah, let him deal with the New York crowd on, on Christmas Let him be Day. the new Reggie Miller. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I think all of that is going to help with exposure of this team. And I think we mentioned a couple weeks ago about the Hawks and free agency and what that process is like in terms of trying to get guys to go to Atlanta. It shouldn't be hard because of what Atlanta provides and mm-hmm. offers. Um it should be, I think, a little easier now as well. With they got to re-sign Lemon Pepper Lou just so he can be like the tour guide for the, for the, the free agents. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Ambassador to the city of Atlanta. Yes. Um, 
I like the, the Levine idea. I think the, the, the problem the Hawks are going to have is, and this might force their hand to, to try to trade someone, is you, you rattled off a lot of young guys that are still on rookie deals that yeah. they will have to pay eventually. And obviously Trey Young's going to get his money. John Collins, if he wants to stay in Atlanta, will get his money. But, you know, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter, Cam mm-hmm. Reddish... Those three, you know, they're going to, once those deals are up, require money that they're just not going to have to pay for it, for everyone. So yeah. I, I think they would have to package or should package two of those three guys. Um, I would. What do you think about the, uh, the uh, Euro brothers, Bogey and uh, Gallo? Uh, I mean, both, both are under contract, so I wouldn't be too concerned about that. And I don't think they would trade them after one year. After uh, one year? Mm-hmm. What the value would be for a team trading for one of those two, knowing that there are multiple years left on that contract. So, uh, I think they would have to package two of those three young guys for, you know, a a, a, a bigger piece that, you know, can slide into this team and, and provide Trey with some help, especially in the backcourt. Mm. So that's that's uh, that's our thoughts on America's team. And now let's get let's get to these finals, man. And uh. I, it's funny, you know, because you mentioned the Lakers earlier, SP3, and, like, we got it on tape. Like, Marcus can can vouch. When the Lakers played the Suns, I said, whoever wins this series is going to the finals. Because in my mind, if LeBron – because, the you know, the Lakers weren't full strength when they wow. played the Suns. And to me, if you get past the Suns, that gives, you know, your team time to get, get his legs under them, gives LeBron – something to do. And I feel like if the Lakers won that series, they were just going to keep rolling. On the other hand, if if the Suns won, which they did, I felt like that would be such a boost for them young boys, you know, Booker and Aiton and and, and Payne. And I feel like all they had to do was get past LeBron. Because that's, you know, yes, the Lakers were weak this year compared to last season, but it's still LeBron and it's still the Lakers. And to me, it's like once they got past them, I'm like, yeah. They, they go into the finals, man. I don't care who they play. They go into the finals. And so I expected Phoenix to be there. Milwaukee's a bit of a surprise because I had picked Philly earlier uh, so you know, to make I. it to the finals. But uh, that was when we thought Ben Simmons could at least hit a free throw. Uh, we, we were <laughs> proven wrong uh, on, on that count. But uh, I think it's going to be a fun series. The biggest question, though, obviously, is what's – the health of Giannis, because if Giannis yeah. is not full strength, then I think the Suns take this not like not a sweep, but I think they take it pretty easily. Yeah, you got to think that the the Suns have kind of gotten the the easiest road to an NBA Finals that I've seen in quite some time. I'm not trying to you know <laughs> bad mouth them. I'm very happy for them. Very happy for Chris Paul. He's been in the league. He's been, you know, gotten to the conference finals so many different times and either injuries or bad coaching has kind of let him down, whether it's in the second round or in the conference final. So I'm very happy that he finally made it and he had one of the greatest games of his entire career to get there. So that made it even sweeter. And I've always been a fan of Devin Booker. I've been a part of the bandwagon that said that, like, he has a shade of Kobe in him. He's he's kind of the light light-skinned Kobe at times, the way he can <laughs> score out there. And Aiton has really come come into his own. Like, all that talk about him being the Shaq 
two Booker's uh, Kobe, we finally saw glimpses of that, especially against like the Clippers and the game winner that he hit in game two of that series. Like he's really 70% from the field. This guy is just unstoppable in the block and in the paint. So I, I really think they have an all around great team, second seed in the West. But my Lakers, when we had LeBron and AD, were up 2 1. And once AD went down, there was nothing that 36, 37-year-old LeBron James could do to compete with those three stars. So they had an easy road there in that in that regard. They had, you know, the Nuggets without uh, Jamal Murray. So they kind of only had one superstar to defeat there. They got the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. And now they got the Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis for at least the first two games. So it feels like it is tailor-made for the Suns to win this one. And although I would love to root for them in this one because, you know, I'm a Laker fan. So whoever beats us, I kind of want them to to either win the West or win the whole thing. I don't want to hear another year after, you know, we experienced it with the with the bubble championship. Oh, this championship has an asterisk. I feel like we're going to get the same talk with the Suns because of the road that they got to winning the championship, especially if Giannis doesn't come back. I feel we're going to have another championship where people describe as with an asterisk, which I don't blame them on this occasion because the right, how do we have an off season of what? 50 days, a 50 day off season after that bubble, like, combining all those games in one, having the playoffs and the end of the regular season in Orlando when you're in a bubble and everything, and then you only give the guys like 50, 60 days off before the regular season kicks off again. So all these injuries kind of were like telling everybody that, yeah, maybe we should have had more days off before we restarted the season. Maybe they should have restarted the season in January instead of December, but they were all thinking about money. Even LeBron, who tried to come back and say, oh, I told them that not, not to do that. LeBron, you are LeBron James. If you told them that it was a mistake to come back so soon, I guarantee you they wouldn't have come back so soon. So don't give me that nonsense now. And this is me as a Laker fan saying that. So I think that this road to the championship for the Suns is going to make people talk about the asterisks with this one. Yeah, this is something Marcus touched on before the season, like, the like we still at that point didn't know the ramifications of that bubble year. And like you were right, Marcus, like we saw like guys going down and, and not being right. And I I get what uh Sid saying in terms of, you know, there could be an asterisk uh, attached to this title, but also like everybody was kind of in this same situation. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, you, you, you can only play who's out there on the court, you know, yeah. like you can't, magically fix ad you know you can't magically fix Giannis, and so like i think there will be a bit of shade thrown towards the suns if they do win this thing but like this is the phoenix suns man like when the whenever when's the last time like they even like had a sustained run of excellence like you got to go back Probably to what Steve Nash years two thousand five through like two thousand seven two thousand yeah, yeah. mashed out of my teams and so yeah. like I I feel like you know they there could be like some doubt attached to this Marcus but like you can't discredit man what Chris Paul has meant to the team you can't discredit the way yeah. Booker stepped up Aiden stepped up you know somebody like Jay Crowder like I Jay Crowder is somebody who I always forget is even in the league 
but he's always like that that role guy you need. And so, if the Suns win, man, I, I think it's a valid championship. Yeah, I think it's a it's a silly argument, especially considering the Suns were second in the West. It'd be different if the Suns were, you know, a seven seed, an eight seed that mm-hmm. sort of snuck into the playoffs and then all of a sudden had all this great luck to get to the finals. But um, they have proven through the regular season, through a, a tough regular season, um, that they were one of the elite teams in the West. So I don't think there's going to be a lot of chatter about you know, an asterisk. Uh, I think the last two years, you know, going back to the Lakers title last year and then whoever wins this year, I think they will just be viewed as like the COVID times and mm-hmm. not not for better, not for worse, not a situation where those two teams didn't deserve it. Just that those teams won titles during sort of this period of uncertainty from you know, the schedule being adjusted to locations being adjusted to no fans and everything that comes with that. So I don't think it'll be viewed as some type of negative. And it is the thing, Marcus, like, cause you can always look at the history of the sport and talk about different eras, man. And like, you know, the old times when we were coming up, used to love to talk about the Celtics, man. All them titles with Bill Russell and the Celtics. Bill Russell played when it was like eight teams in the league and the teams only had like two or three black dudes on each team, man. True. It, it ain't the same, brother. And so, yeah, like, I, I feel like, you know, if Phoenix is able to do this, you know, uh, because we got a comment from uh, Adam out there who says uh, the Bucks are going to surprise a lot of folks. Uh, there we go. I can bring it up. There we go. Bucks is going to surprise a lot of folks and win the chip. Uh, shout out to Adam for his uh, enthusiasm. But I feel like this is Phoenix's series to lose because if you're talking about two games without Giannis, it's going to fall upon Middleton. It's going to fall upon Drew Holiday. It's going to fall upon uh, Brooke Lopez and, and the rest of them boys to pick up the slack. And I think the difference between Atlanta and Phoenix, as much as I like uh, the Hawks SP three is Phoenix is just a better, more cohesive team right now than the Hawks yeah. are. Like they've got, secondary and, and tertiary scorers. You know, they, they just feel like a more balanced team. And then you've got Chris Paul as that veteran that's seen everything and done everything except win a championship, steering the ship. So I, I feel like if I had to make a prediction and we can kind of go around the horn, I'm I'm going I'm going Phoenix and six. That seems like a, a good call. I mean like like I said, I, I'm saying more in like general as far as the talk of the asterisks. I'm gonna give them credit because uh, you know I'm a Laker fan who won the championship last year. Where people said it was an asterisk, and I'm like, a championship is a championship. Number mm-hmm. seventeen is number seventeen, so I'm not gonna throw shade at the Suns, but. Uh, I just think that they have come such a long way. They were not favorites going into this season. I thought they would be like a fifth, sixth seed with Chris Paul. I thought they would finally make it to the playoffs. But no, I did not think they would make it all the way to the NBA Finals. They finished the number two seed. Chris Paul was an M- was an MVP candidate on this year. And Devin Booker has really showed out and showed himself as one of the premier scorers in all of the NBA in these playoffs. And like I said, uh, DeAndre Ayton is just a beast, a beast down low. Cameron Payne has stepped up. Cameron Payne was a guy that, you know, you know, like you said earlier, Nate, he, you know, some of the players you want in 2K, Cameron Payne was not that. He was not a player you wanted to sign in 2K, and he delivered, and he stepped up when Chris Paul was down with, you know, the COVID pro- protocol. So 
he's all he's delivered. Jay Crowder has been defensive and been there for them. They have so many different players that have stepped up throughout these playoffs that you have to give them credit. So if they win the championship, it's a championship without an asterisk because they couldn't control who they faced and what time they faced them. They had to deal with, with Chris Paul going down. They had to deal with Devin Booker with the broken nose. So they had their own struggles, own obstacles to overcome. With all that said, Bucks in seven. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. I see you, young fella. Okay. So we got Suns and six, Bucks and seven. Marcus, go ahead and break the tie. Um, This is a tough one considering we don't know really about Giannis yet. Mm-hmm. I think even if he t- if it, he can come back, he won't be 100%. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and James Harden to a certain extent in the previous round. If, if you're not 100%, if you're just a, a, a detour, you're really not much help to a team. Mm-hmm. It's true. So uh, I think the Suns win in five games. Oh, the gentleman sweep. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, Marcus and I have the Suns, Sid, going out there on a limb, picking the Milwaukee Bucks. So, I think it'll be a fun series, though. I think it'll be something different, you know, for all of the complaints we've heard about, you know, oh, these are going to be terrible ratings and, you know, nobody, these aren't the teams people wanted. I think something different, something fresh in the finals is going to be actually good for the NBA going forward. I agree with that for sure. I, I I think that the Milwaukee the reason I'm going with the Milwaukee Bucks is because I think it's been like what two three years before this year they were always viewed as the favorite to go to the mm-hmm. NBA Finals. You know, finishing number one, uh, Boone and Horace won you know Coach of the Year. Giannis two MVPs last year. He became the first player since Akeem Olajuwon to win the MVP and DPOY. So. He, he's been one of the star players who just couldn't get over the hump. He got bumped by the Raptors, got bumped by Miami last year, and they just couldn't get over the hump. And then they were finally this year, they weren't the favorites. The Nets were the favorites with their big three. The Sixers finished number one. They were considered one of the favorites. I think that, you know, I, me, like a lot of other people, had Nets and Lakers going to the finals because that was probably the money matchup that even the NBA officials wanted. And and I wanted to see it as well, LeBron versus KD with a whole different lineups behind them. But Milwaukee Bucks overcame all of that. They got lucky themselves with, you know, encountering the Nets with the injured James Harden and injured Kawhi Irvin. And, you know, they couldn't, you know, KD did everything in his power to try to beat yeah. them, but he couldn't. And Giannis had the game of his career in game seven in that one. And it's, you could tell that that took a lot out of him because that injury that he got in the next round is probably due to how much he expended himself in that net series. So it really depends on if Giannis does come back for game three. I think that his offensive game is a little bit different from James Harden. James mm-hmm. Harden is a scorer. He's a jump shooter it's a little bit different for Giannis Giannis can be a difference maker on the defensive end getting rebounds being in the middle and he can be a decoy on defense that's something that James Harden will never be a decoy on defense (laughs) so I think that it's a little different in the way that they can play Giannis and he can be effective and as we've seen Chris Middleton will have probably a good game one Mm. game three 
a good game five. He's not going to have back-to-back good games. He's going to have every other good game. So all they need is the other guys to step up. And I will say it once. I will say it again. Brooke Lopez is the GOAT Nets player. He's the all-time leading scorer in Nets history, and he will deliver one or two games in these NBA finals, and they are going to steal. I think they can steal one of the first two games against the Suns, and I think everybody will be rethinking their predictions after that. But two things. First of all, Marcus, like the the Kerry Kittle slander is is real on these streets out here. Slander. The, the yes, the Keith Van Horn slander is real on these streets, man. Uh, but but see, this is how you can tell SP three is is new to the show, man, because there's been he mentioned the name of a coach that you and I have talked about for years and years and years. Former coach of the Atlanta Hawks, that man Mike Budenholzer, aka the Booty Man. This show ain't got no love for the Booty Man. We don't trust that man <laughs> in clutch coaching situations. You telling I mean, me you trust this man in a clutch cloak coaching situation? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> so that's why that's why I have only named the players that will be have to step up for the Bucks to win these. I'm not saying that Booty Ho is, is gonna is gonna make a clutch move at coaching because I don't believe in him myself. I feel like if they would have lost Game Seven against the Nets, he would not even have a job right now. So I think that. This is totally a situation where the players are going to have to overcome, you know, the coaches, the coaches' deficiencies here, and I think that is why I, I'm taking the Bucks. Mainly, like I said, is to avoid any asterisk talk. Mm-hmm. Even though you guys have made a good points and why that that argument is invalid, I still think we're going to get that argument. And NBA Twitter is a toxic place, yeah. and I think there's going to be a lot of that chatter, and I don't want to hear it. So that's why, most of all. I'm going for the Bucks. Mm, so I guess we can we can kind of uh, move on to some quick hits real, real quick, Marcus, because uh, that was good conversation around the finals. I'm, I'm excited for this thing to tip off. But uh, we did have some other NBA news and notes uh, over the past week or so. I guess the most recent news coming out is uh, as a result of his actions in that Western Conference Finals, your, your man Pat Bev. Gonna yeah. have to sit down for a game next season. What what do you make of that, man? I feel like one game, like what what's one game? It was worth one game. I thought it was worth two games, man. Two. Mm-hmm. Just the way the way he did it, man. Like like it, it was it was like, come on, come on, Pat Beverly. You're supposed to, you're yeah. supposed to be one of the baddest dudes in the NBA and you just up here pushing people from behind like a pump. At least it wasn't a punch. I mean, yeah, it was. Be, you know, he didn't see it coming, and I'm glad he did tweet the apology. That, that was <laughs> that was something. But I mean, yeah, it won exactly. You see that comment matter. right there, Marcus? Slap on the wrist for Pat Bev. Yeah, I mean, you got ejected <laughs> one game. You know, it's remember back in the, back in our day in the NBA (laughs) when players were allowed to fight and and wouldn't get tossed. Now we, we, you know, guy gets shoved in the back. Suspension. Come on. Pat Beverly wouldn't last back in them Keith Van Horn days, son. No. Yeah. I I think the the, the one game was, was fine. Um, Chris Paul has a, has a, a, in getting under people's skins and, Mm. He didn't say. You anything think that factored he, into the decision? 
Uh, no, 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 no. I don't think so. I think that factored into the outcome. I think that's why, even though it, it appeared Chris Paul didn't say anything, mm-hmm. it felt like just his presence. Just annoying. To, just enough <laughs> to, to set Pat Bev off. So um, I don't think that was a, a factor in the decision there. What about you, Sid? What, what do you think of, uh, A, the, the actions of Pat Beverly and then uh, the, the one-game suspension that was handed down? I, I I think it's fair. The one game suspension, you know, it's the end of the year. I don't. Uh, he didn't punch him. He didn't. Th- he didn't swing on him. He pushed him in the back. I thought that it was a punk move to push him in the back. But then again, I don't know what Chris Paul said to him. And I thought I thought the the apology on Twitter was kind of weak, in my opinion. <laughs> I, if he had hit him up directly, text him, call him, uh, DM him first. Then I'm uh, I'm okay with the public apology on Twitter. That makes sense. But if it wasn't no direct content prior to that, then I think that the public apology is just to save face, and it's it, I don't think it's as sincere as some people are taking it. Uh, Pat Beverly has never been my favorite player in the NBA. I think he's a little dirty sometimes, and um, I mean I, I I'm not. That's all I got to say about this this particular situation. I, I won't badmouth Pat Beverly. Uh, I, like I said, I'm not the biggest Clippers fan. He's one of the 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 longest Clippers on the team. So I've I've had my differences as far as Pat Beverly <laughs> and the way he plays. But this situation, I think the one game suspension is fair. So you mentioned right there, SP3 about comments, you know, perhaps getting you into trouble. And Marcus Vandenberg, like, you know, we, we, we've been doing this show since 2013, Marcus. And and for people to check out the Patreon this week, we put up an episode where I happened to be inebriated. It was my birthday weekend. Hey, back happy in 2013. birthday. Yep. And so, uh, uh, you know, you can check that out on the Patreon, patreon.com backslash Kings of Sport. And so I was feeling, I was feeling a little good on that particular episode, Marcus. And mm-hmm. the things I said, maybe I would not have said had I not been under the influence. And that brings us to somebody who, in my opinion, is not only uh, imbibing on, on that brown liquor, but he's trying to sell this brown liquor out here, Marcus Vandenberg. The greatest sidekick in the history of the league, Scottie Pippen. What's going on with this man? Talking about Phil Jackson is a racist. Michael Jordan is selfish, which I think everybody who's ever seen anything about Michael Jordan kind of knew that. Uh, but well, what do you make of Scotty's comments? He's got a book that he's trying to uh, sell as well as this. Uh, I think it's a bourbon uh, he's trying to sell out here, Marcus. Yes. Is this how much of this is like legit? Like, do you think this is all for the purposes of, of trying to get the bag or is this stuff that Scotty's been holding on to for a minute? I'm not going to call anyone racist, but I think if you looked at Phil Jackson's track history on something's off the court, mm-hmm. I think you can make your own decisions on whether Stadi Pippen was telling the truth or not. So I will keep it at that. Um, so you're saying Phil Jackson was not a fan of the Mario Van Peebles movie Posse? Uh, no, he was. He was not. <laughs> he was not a fan. Um, the Jordan stuff just at this point feels kind of old at this i mean i think the last dance was a chance for everyone one last time to you know get their mm-hmm. you know frustrations off their chest when it comes to that team and jordan in particular and now that we're more than a year removed from the last dance and we're still talking about michael jordan in, in the context of Saudi pippen 
uh, that just feels like we're we're just trying to rehash old stuff mm. at this point. And, um, you know, I hope, I, I don't know what the relationship is like between those two. And I'm sure they've, they've worked it out since the nineties, but, um, I hope they're able at least to have some type of relationship now, considering it's been, you know, 20 plus years since any of this stuff has happened. And, um, you know, they're both in their own right, you know, two great players yeah. and, you know, Jordan, wouldn't have won the titles without Pippen and vice versa. So they, they go hand in hand. Yeah, I think they've had like a really interesting relationship over the years where sometimes they've they've seemed to be on the same page and sometimes it's been really cold and distant. Uh, I will say, though, because, you know, obviously it's easy just kind of had these jokes at Scotty's expense because my man was out there with the brown liquor on the Dan Patrick show. But I do think it's important to remember that uh, A, Scotty lost a child recently. Uh, and B, yeah. he's going through a divorce. And so yeah. who knows, like, where Scotty's head is at right now, Marcus? And I think you brought up a good point where the last dance, like, should have been kind of the last word on all of that, you know, 90s Bulls drama. But maybe, like, who knows? Maybe Scotty felt whatever he said didn't get, you know, the, the do it should have. Because at, you know, at the end of the day, Michael Jordan, you know, it was Michael's documentary. So maybe Scotty didn't feel like he got to express himself the way he wanted to. And now that he's got this book coming out, said, like, this is Scotty saying, all right, this y'all heard the Michael story, this Scotty story. So what do you make of Scotty's comments either about Phil or about Michael and, and, and how he's uh, been acting lately? Um, I think that I, I kind of agree with Marcus. Like you can make your own judgment on whether you believe Phil Jackson is a racist or not for some of the things he's said in the past. However, Scottie Pippen using the 94 semifinals yeah. against the Knicks and Tony Kukoc is clearly the better choice to take that yeah. shot because Scottie Pippen had missed like five straight shots before that that game winner. And they've done that play before and it was successful and it was successful in that instance, except Scotty was in his feelings and sat on the bench and didn't want to take out the ball. Didn't want to be a team player. Like, I can't say that that was a racial move. I can't say that that was a racist move. That was the the best coaching move for him. And it just seems like Scotty is trying to, you know, tarnish the, the legacy of Phil Jackson, drags Michael Jordan through the mud in an effort to sell books, in an effort to sell his bourbon, and in an effort to kind of, you know, say that this is my story. The last dance was Michael's story. This is my chance to tell my version of how things went down. The the part that I kind of was really offensive about, you can drag uh, Michael Jordan through the mud because you were there. You were his teammate. If you feel like you he was selfish, you could tell us better than anyone else could tell us. Yeah. If you, you, you know, Phil Jackson was your coach. If you felt like he, like he was, you know, made a racial move, that is, you're entitled to your opinion. You're entitled to feel that way because he was your coach for a long time. And you can kind of be the judge of that a lot better than a lot of people out there. The fact that he dragged the deceased Kobe Bryant's name into this, that's where I get a little issue. Like I said, mm. I'm a lifetime Kobe fan. So how dare you try to bring up and make the argument, oh, oh, Phil badmouth uh, Kobe, and then he went back to coach him. Like, that has anything to do with Phil being a racist. That has nothing to do with Phil being a racist. That's what, how Phil felt about Kobe. Was he right for that? 
Hell no. He should have never done that. He should have never talked bad about Kobe and, you know, say what was going on in the locker room and, you know, press judgment on a player of his like he did in his book. And but at the end of the day, Kobe didn't hold that against him. Kobe said, he, you want to come back? You want to coach? As long as we win championships, I'm all fine with that. Mm-hmm. So if Kobe never said nothing, you shouldn't be talking for Kobe after he's not with us. So that's where I feel Scotty was wrong most of all. And and it's it's funny, Marcus, because uh, obviously, you know, we talked about it during the last dance. I got a soft spot in my heart for that man, Tony Kukoc. I don't know why. But uh, I feel like just the fact that – Michael and Scotty was bullying this man from the Olympics all the way through his time as a Chicago Bull. Like I felt like, you know what, Tony, you are right with me, man. And I remember that play, watching that play. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, Marcus, like maybe it's unfair of me to use one moment to kind of judge somebody. But when Scotty sat, that changed my opinion of Scotty Pippen as a basketball player. Where it's like, you're great, like, uh, one of the greatest defensive players in the history of the game. Like, can't nobody take that from you, but you're not a number one guy if you do that. Because Mike, Michael wouldn't have did that. No. I mean, well, to be fair, Michael, Michael would have had, had the ball and he would have chose to pass it to Tony. Uh, yeah. But, but like, for, for Scotty to be like, you know, the you know, they never drew up the last shot for me. They never gave me, you know, it should have been my team. It's like, we can go back and look at the games. Like, Phil was drawing up shots for you. Yeah. They just wasn't falling. And yeah. so it's like the object of the game is to win, man. And so, yeah, like I, I do have uh, sympathy for like what Scotty's going through now uh, with, with, with his personal life. But I feel like this feels like a lot of old stuff, Marcus, that Scotty really hadn't dealt with and is just coming up right now. You know what? This should be like the new reality series where uh, athletes – go to therapy, like work out there, mm. their sports, yes. internal issues. Um, VH1, come on, let's let's make this happen. Yo, oh, Marcus, like the greatest thing, uh, one of the greatest things um, among the many great things the NBA on TNT has ever done. I know you remember this from a few years ago when they had that sit down with Isaiah and, and Magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. It just, yeah. just – Isaiah and Magic hugging and crying and Magic's like, it's all right, brother. I felt the same way too, man. <laughs> like that's that's what we need, Marcus. We need versus but old basketball beefs. Mm-hmm. And just put put two dudes that have beef in a room and let them either figure it out and come together or fight. One of the two. One of the two things gotta happen. Well, Magic wasn't gonna fight anyone. I mean that was that was legit beef. Um yeah. And that was legit emotion that you saw because those two were not on the same page for for years and years. And now they're they're still good. They're, um, you know, that's great to see. Just because when you think of top point guards, especially in the '80s, um, it's it's Magic and Isaiah, and knowing that those two didn't have a relationship for for years after mm. that, um, over I would say silly, trivial stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it all goes back to the dream team. You but. chose Michael over me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we need. Like ten years from now, we need uh, one of these sit downs with with Pat Beverly and Chris Paul. Like Chris, there you go. I pushed there- you in the back, but all this time I should have had your back, brother. 
Chris Paul yeah, and uh, Rondo Pat as well. Pat Bev and a lot of people. Pat Chris Bev and a lot, a lot of people. Maybe Pat that's the series. Like Pat Chris Bev Paul just... and the Clippers. Yeah, you just go down the list. DeAndre, Blake. You need it all. You need it all. To, to, yeah. to piggyback off of what you said, you know, like I said, I won't discredit Scotty for what he did on the court. And, you know, especially I, I have sympathy for what he's going through. I've lost people over the last year. So I understand where he's coming from. And, you know, you know, having a divorce, that's really hard to go through. But this supports one of my biggest arguments, one of my biggest hot takes. Scotty and Jordan ain't the greatest duo in NBA history. It's Kobe and Shaq. Because Kobe and Shaq, from day one, they ain't really like each other that much. And they overcame <laughs> all of that and won three straight. And at the end of the day, Kobe proved years later that he could be a number one. Scotty never was able to really do that. He, he did show that he had the potential to be a number one in 1994. And that was all well and good. But after Jordan left in 98, it was all downhill for him. And he was kind of a journeyman. So I feel Kobe and Shaq, is the greatest duo and Scotty Pimpin. The more you talk on podcasts and in your book and talk with bourbon on your breath, you prove me right. So thank you. So what you're saying is Scotty need to drop a diss track. Talking about Michael, how's my bourbon taste? <laughs> we got some uh, comment, got some comments in the chat. Let's see. There we go. Uh, Pat Bev. Yeah, we would love to see that. Pat Bev, Chris Paul, sit down. Uh, appreciate the comments. And then, of course, Marcus, you know, if we're talking about Chicago Bulls, it's going to be one man that's going to pop up. Like, he like the candy man. You say his name three times, he's going to show up. If you talk about 90s Bulls, Jermaine from Chicago is going to pop up. Brother Jermaine says, six titles. Stop the foolishness. This is where I agree with Jermaine because, you know, Kobe and Shad might be the better individual players, but if you're talking duo Mm – it, it's it's Jordan. I mean, they did not lose. They they three paid it twice. Who knows what they would have done if Jordan didn't, you know, play baseball and the death of his father. Uh, I think that we probably would have seen them beat Houston twice. So we could be talking about eight titles in a row. They opposed. did lose just, in '95. I, I do want to I do want to mention that. But that was when Jordan came back. That that's not fair. That's still a loss. It's still a loss. <laughs> still so a that loss. was Come 45. On. That wasn't that's 25. Bad. Still a loss. That's still. Bad. The man came off the street, off the, the baseball diamond. <laughs> didn't have his ledge. He still he just still blessed us with a remarkable game at the Garden that like, year. And he was Double tired, like man. Like he just he just look. See this this where you know not not to not to. You know, pull the pull the age card on you, Sid. Like the young folks, man, they don't have that sense of history because Michael had just got through playing the Wait, monster. I'm, 30, I'm 33 years old, man. Oh, oh no, I, no, I, you're too young. I look young, but I, I was gonna say you I, look I, young, I went though, brother. I went see, all those years. I see, Michael, years. like I said, Michael had just got through playing the monsters. Oh my God! Saved Come the on. universe. Come on, that's why and I came back to the NBA. Jordan and Bud. Jordan Bugs is better than Jordan and Pippen. That's how wow. I feel. That's how I feel. That's what I'm uh, calling see, it. What would Jermaine say? You know Jermaine got to say something. 6-0 in the final. Stop it. Kobe and Shaq. Shaq lost wasn't healthy. Shaq wasn't healthy. Pistons. And we had, oh, we so had, now Shaq's not healthy. But, he but wasn't. Jordan can come in off the street and Yes, yes. Okay. You I'll, keep, gotcha. I'll keep it the same energy. Y'all want to mention okay. Jordan coming off the street? I would have mentioned that Shaq wasn't healthy. Shaq wasn't healthy after the first championship, to be fair. And we won, we won two more mm. after that. Mm. 
He put on like a hundred pounds in the off season between two thousand and two thousand one. That's a yeah. personal problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it sounds like a personal problem that Michael Jordan decided to play baseball and suck at that with a with a point one nine six batting average. It's not my fault that he had to play there and then go to Toonland and save the Looney Tunes. Come on, Yo, you know, you, Jermaine is lighting up the comments right now. You know he's sitting there like Michael on the Last Dance, like. Sid was talking all this trash about Michael, and I took that personally. Just <laughs> it, it, his his New Yorkers coming out with all this Jordan slander. So. That, that's what it is, Marcus. We figured it out. We figured it out. Yep. I would say this. I would say this to try to play Switzerland here. I think you can make the argument that Kobe and Shaq were the most dominant duo, but Michael and Scotty were the best duo. I think you can make a distinction there, a technicality, Marcus, that I'm playing in the in in the in the gray area there. I agree. That's fair. Wow. I think I think we Wow, Jermaine, stop the slander. I, I'm I, not I, even I gonna... know. Call it call it call it Kobe Walmart Jordan. Like stop it. Stop it. Stop the <laughs> stop slander, it. Jermaine. That's too far. Stop it. Jermaine, come on. Ridiculous. We're not Ridiculous. talking about Roman Reigns, we're talking about Michael Jordan here. <laughs> you know, come on. <laughs> Stop. Uh, now you're going too far. Marcus, uh, real quick before we wrap up the show this week, yep. any uh, thoughts about uh, some other news and notes from the NBA, whether it's any any moves that have been made, any uh, coaching vacancies, the draft lottery that we just had, any anything uh, you want to talk about real quick before we wrap things up, before Jermaine gets too, too reckless out here? Uh, we don't have enough time to dive into the whole coaching stuff and some of the, the hires that have been made. Um We'll save that for another show. Um, Jermaine's walking it back. Kobe, a top oh, 20 player of all time. 20? No diss. That's, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That's slander. Wow. That's more Kobe slander. Y'all even, even, his, even his praise sounds like a diss. Exactly. <laughs> top 20? Are you are you serious? He's top 10, Jermaine. Come exactly. On. Come on. Come on, Jermaine. Don't be ridiculous. Why do you have so much hate in your heart, Jermaine? <laughs> um, draft lottery... Detroit won. Hey, yeah. for the Pistons. No dear Kate Cunningham, probably. The Raptors will have a head start in their, their reloading for the fourth pick. Um, trying to think what else stands out from the, the lottery. Curious to see what happens with the Warriors and what they do. You got Clay Thompson returning. Um, Steph looked like Steph. And Steph is not playing the Olympics, so Steph will be. Um, rested and ready to go for next season. Uh, so, you know, whoever they draft plus James Wiseman coming back and hopefully mm-hmm. whoever they draft plus Wiseman going to summer league and getting a chance to get some extra playing time and reps, I think will help Golden State. So they'll be interesting to watch next season. Yeah, um, Warriors can be scary. Shout out real quick to Momo from D.C. Kobe mm-hmm. is 11th all time. And then, uh, of course, Jermaine. Kobe is the Second best two guard of all time. All right, that's all you had to say, Jermaine. It wasn't that hard. That's fair. Uh, that's that's fair. fair. Not eleventh all time. He is. He is the least. I, I put. I got Kobe. See, I, I'm a Kobe fan, but I will say Kobe is in eight, seven, eight all time. He's in the top Ooh. ten. He's in the top ten in my. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the problem is when you're when you're not the best when you're not the best player on the franchise, you're already going to be against it because he's not the best Laker ever. So, yeah. 
hey, Magic Johnson is the person I consider the best Laker ever, and he calls Kobe the best Laker ever. I will take his word over Momo and Jermaine in the live chat. I'm sorry. Magic is very humble. He does not believe that. <laughs> he does. He does. He does. I think real quick, Marcus, about the uh, draft, because I, I did want to ask you this question uh, before before we got too far away from the lottery. Uh, like, how how transformational can Cade be? Because I like I don't know, like I don't know what's gonna like the Pistons just seem like a real project to me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, getting back to that NBA two K analogy, like I like to pick bad teams and make them better. I never pick the Pistons because it's like, wait, like there's the a cap and like, mm, like I, I, I work with the King because at least with the Kings, I got at least a couple decent players. I can make some moves. There's some flexibility there. Uh, did this Cade immediately impact the Pistons? Yes. Um, what Pistons did this year was interesting. Um, they drafted very, very well. They have a. We talked about the Hawks and the so they're your young guys. The, the Pistons have a collection of young pieces now. <laughs> Jermaine, what Jermaine say? Uh, Detroit. Has, Detroit has <laughs> Bay Grant and a bunch of Washington Generals. Wow. <laughs> it's the, the the slander from this man. Jeez. Um, of course, like Chicago and Detroit, so they, it all goes back course, to the bad uh, boys. Of course. Um, so despite what Jermaine thinks, they have some more pieces outside of CD Bay and, and Jeremy Grant. Um, in particular, I think Isaiah Stewart could be an interesting mm-hmm. center for them. Um, he was a rookie this year. Killian Hayes was injured, and I think he will be the question mark if they draft Cade is what do you do with, with Killian because they, you know, they spent a top 10 pick on this point guard from France who had some injuries, but... Yeah, there's one game of uh, regular season where I think we got to see what Killian can do when healthy. Um, so I think there's, you know, he has flashes there and maybe you move him to the bench and, and you start Cade. But will the Pistons make the playoffs next year? No. But I do think they are going about this the right way and trying to do as possible while not taking on sort of ridiculous contracts in the process. So um, they had a whole new team this year, including Jeremy Grant, who turned into um, a a really good basketball player when he was given the shots. So I think they'll be probably two seasons away from making the playoffs. So not not this season coming up, but but next season. Okay. And, uh, yeah, Psycho D says Stewart isn't too bad. Uh, I think – You've given me some optimism, Marcus, that the Pistons might be able to do something. I, I don't have a lot of faith in them, but but I'll lean on your expertise, brother. It's not uh, a sexy market. I mean, no one's no one's going to be watching Pistons games on Leap Pass at the moment. <laughs> no, um, man, and, like, and they might not with with Cade because I think if you're, if you're talking about the the top five guys in this draft in terms of being picked, it's probably going to be Jalen Green of, of this group that mm-hmm. is going to I think early on get the most eyeballs just because of his style of play. Um, I, I think if you're sliding in terms of watchability, I think that would put Jalen one and then K two. Uh, Jalen Green, that is not Jalen Suggs. Uh, I think Jalen Suggs will be the most sort of like come in one ready 
a professional point guard won't be super flashy, but will also just be really, really good. And I think he would be a great addition to the Raptors if they lose Kyle. He can slide right in alongside Van Fleet. And I think those two, day one, could be could have an impact. Where I think Cade, I think because of mm. the team he'll be on, will be a bunch of young pieces and Cade. I think he's the one yeah. that probably needs more time to really develop into that role. Like I, I like Bay, uh, I like Bay a lot, uh, but but he still needs to grow. And it's it's funny because I was going back again, listening to some of the old episodes, and I stumbled on when we talked about the 2013 draft. Oh, man. and there was so much Alex Lynn slander, Marcus Vandenberg, <laughs> just nothing but wall to wall Alex Lynn slander. And on the flip side, like I didn't know we were such big Nerlens Noel fans back in the day. <laughs> Wow. Like we, like, we were just like, oh, New Orleans missed, messed up. They could have gotten Nerlens Noel and paired him up with uh, with Anthony Davis. <laughs> and he turned out too well. <laughs> no, no. But uh, any any last thoughts on the uh, NBA and, and, and anything that's been going on, uh, Sid, that we haven't touched on real quick? Um. I will just say I am I am not on the Rachel Nichols uh, bandwagon after mm. her uh, comments about uh, Miss Taylor. Uh, she, I, I think it's ridiculous that she still has a job because people have said less and lost their jobs. So I think it's a little bit so-so. And if you've been paying attention to NBA Twitter as well, um, she let Ilya Sova hit it, question mark? That's interesting. That's interesting. It's a lot of Rachel Nichols, a lot of things coming out. I think that she, for the last couple of years, have been saying some comments that she didn't need to be saying, like bringing up Kobe's uh, case that was, uh, you know, settled after his passing, bringing up uh, Dame Lillard beating the Lakers. Like, why would you beat the Lakers on Kobe Bryant tribute night? Like, what? Huh? Like, it's just certain stuff that she said for the last couple of years. I haven't been a fan of hers, so this coming out doesn't surprise me. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about Rachel Nichols. And the draft lottery, I, I do agree with um, with Marcus. I think Kate Cunningham is the right choice for uh, the Pistons. I am a fan of uh, Killian Hayes. I've seen a lot of him from his uh, time in, like, France online. And I think that the injury hurt him, but I think that he's going to be better suited as a two guard being next to uh, Cade Cunningham. Mm. And when you got Bay, you got Grant, who is a most improved candidate. I think the, the Pistons have a young core that in two to three years could potentially make the playoffs. They don't really need to sign or trade for anyone. They just need to develop the young players that they have right now. They're going to be good. I think um, Houston putting Evan Mobley next to Christian Wood would be a great upgrade for them. They got one or maybe two more years with John Wall's ridiculous, horrible contract. Mm -hmm. And after that, they can really start the rebuilding process proper. And like he said, like uh, Marcus said, Jalen Green is amazing from like his style of play. He's just a bona fide scorer. I think that he can make a great impact on the Cavaliers and it will help their the rumors of them possibly trading Colin Sexton, which will really improve their them on the front court, whether they want to get a small a small forward in there if they don't believe in Isaac Okoro as a starter or if they want to replace Kevin Love, they can use Sexton to mm. kind of improve that front court. So I think the the top three is kind of set 
that, everything after that is just so-so to me up until when the draft comes. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I, I think they really got to do something with Love because I, I don't feel like he's helping the team as long as he's there. And like Kevin Love's not what Kevin Love was five years ago, but he, nah. he can help somebody. Like, I just don't think he can help this Cavs team right yeah. now. Uh, but but see, that's why we bring on these new voices like like our guys sit here because Jermaine, you st- you spend your time on the internet spreading hate. This brother spent his time on the internet looking at French basketball. He's serious about his craft. <laughs> but I do. I, I gotta I gotta learn about these players. I've been watching Cade Cunningham since he was a junior in high school with all the like the AAU stuff that's on YouTube and stuff. You gotta you gotta get educated. You know, you see people with the draft classes on 2K, you got to know what players to get after that first season. You you know, I'm like you, uh, Nate. I get the bad teams, and I got to know which players to get for the teams, which would yep. work out best. So I watch YouTube to kind of study the players before I draft. Theo Maladon helped my team in any <laughs> anyway. He's a gem. <laughs> uh, Marcus, before, yes. we, we, before we close things up real quick, because I wanted to – touch on something and when he was talking about AAU it reminded me of what went down with the NCAA this week Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the players being allowed to get endorsements and then you know profit Uh, what's your take on that is this a good thing bad thing Uh, uh, what what, what do you feel about this decision Uh, the only negative I I see and this will probably be a story a year from now is who's going to make sure these kids are paying taxes properly because I can see a lot of these kids not having the financial um, people around them, and they might be accepting all this money and not, you know, properly doing their taxes. And trust, trust me, there's nothing more than, you know, I think they're going to be easy targets because I think we're going to see them a lot over the next year, sort of signing these deals and stuff. So yeah, um, learn from Wesley Snipes, pay your taxes. Yeah. But besides that, this is this is only a positive for for a lot of these kids. Um, see, see again the be... reappearance of the hater, Colin Sexton, is, isn't a winning player. I've seen enough. Oh, I've seen enough of you, Jermaine. All right, <laughs> let's, let's not slander people. But here's the thing, Marcus. Like, I feel like it's it's a positive. I do feel like though it's it's a little bit of an okie doke by the NCAA, where they like. We we ain't gonna pay you because we can't do that. We can't pay you directly, but you can go you can go out there and get your endorsements. Like I feel like it's the NCAA putting they're doing a good thing, but it's also less than they could be doing. Mm-hmm. I guess is is how I think about it, Marcus. Where yes, it's good that these players are allowed to profit off of their names and likenesses, and, and you know it's something that probably should have been happening. But at the same time, it's like. It feels like the schools are having their cake and eating it too. I mean, that, that was always going to be the case. I, I think they needed to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. This is a so you do think this is like the start of something and not the the end of the issue. I don't think it's the end of the issue. No, I think it's just the start of the issue, and they got sort of forced into the start of the issue. So um, I think this will be the first step, and <laughs> we'll see what the, where you know how the first year goes and. You know, when when these schools and these boosters realize that the players have managed to survive, you know, with money, they didn't, you know, become bad guys or go out mm-hmm. and, you know, commit crimes. Like they've managed to keep their money responsibly. I think yeah. this will be just the, the first part of that. 
Yeah. So I think overall it's good. Uh, shout out to Mondo Dondo. <laughs> I'm so glad I got to witness the legendary hate in person. Like, yeah, J- Jermaine is, uh, he's, he's like the, the, the Ric Flair, uh, the Eddie Guerrero, the Kurt Angle of, of hate. Like he ain't, ain't nobody better. He's the, he's the most technically sound hater in the game yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's going the bread. Oh, the bread heart of hate. Yes. <laughs> that's deep, deep cuts, deep cuts. <laughs> but, uh, before we get out of here, man, we do want to shout out. I, I got Sid, man. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. We know this won't be the last time you sit down and chop it up with his brother. Uh, for anybody out there that wants to know more about what you got going on, uh, we see that, that background you got there that might have something to do with, with some projects you involved with. Uh, let the people know where they can find you and, uh, you know, uh, let them know a little bit about what you got going on, brother. Well, they can find me on the Twitter machine at TrueHeelSP3. You see the banner in the back. That is the brand True Heel Heat. That is our YouTube channel where we do wrestling content, uh, weekly reviews of WWE, AEW, Impact Wrestling, ROH, MLW, NWA. We cover it all on the True Heel Heat YouTube channel. Our weekly podcast where we talk about the latest wrestling news drops every single Saturday. Uh, it just dropped over the weekend with myself and the true draw uh josh morero filling in for miss chrissy love and top guy jj we discussed uh everything going on in the wrestling world shakeups backstage for wwe this past week's aew dynamite have a sneak preview of my exclusive interview with former wwe champion alberto el patron and that interview is dropping on the true hill heat youtube channel this week where he gets very very honest and open about his relationship with former WWE superstar Paige. So stay tuned for that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And you can also see me on the Wrestling Daily YouTube channel, a part of the Wrestle Talk family with myself and Alex McCarthy every single Wednesday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. We discuss the latest wrestling news over on Power 4 TV YouTube channel. You can see me Wednesday at 11 a.m. for Power 4 SP3 and the Sports Keto Wrestling YouTube channel. We do. I am on the post show smack talk with Rick Uchino and the wrestling legend himself, Dutch Mantel, where we talk about SmackDown each and every <laughs> week. So wrestling is where I, I get most of my knowledge. You know, I handle that and focus in on that end, but I'm very happy to be on the King of Sports podcast to talk about a little basketball because I don't get the opportunity to talk about it too much in this format. So I'm very happy to join Nate. And Marcus, you guys are so knowledgeable in the sport, and I had a lot of fun chatting it up with you guys. Even the legendary haters in the live chat. Kobe Bryant, <laughs> top 10 all time. I will not hear otherwise. Yeah, we, we definitely appreciate you coming through, brother. And again, this won't be the last time the listeners hear from you. And, and I think Marcus, like Jermaine is full of hate, but he also can provide joy at times. And he did drop one last comment in the chat. Uh, because of the ruling, this means that EA Sports can bring back NCAA football. Yes, and that was um, that's been in the words for a few months. EA is supposed to put out a announcement about a a franchise they're bringing back. I think later this month. I would assume it's NCAA football they're going to to formally yeah. hype up. But yes, um, don't think we're getting it this year. We're probably. 2022 in the fall, hopefully, fingers crossed. So, so. will this mean? And, and this, look, we're showing our age here, Marcus. Will this mean that they'll have actual players in the game, and you don't have to 
<laughs> no, I don't think so. And there was even, even when the announcement came out a few months ago, there were certain colleges that did not sign off on mm, okay. any part of the game. So no, we're not kind of like a players see, association type of deal. Yeah, I we're not going to see players um, like Madden. You know, it'll still okay. be you have to find the the roster and download it. So I was gonna say, like, yeah, if somebody out there who 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 is all about making the uh, memory card rosters, like that's a business that dried up for years, and now yeah. that one dude probably out there in the middle of Oregon somewhere is like, baby, they bringing the game back. Give me my copy of Street and Smith's college football. Street and Smith, wow. We're back in business. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, it, it'll be exciting, man. Like, and, and, again, shout out to the players, uh, particularly a player Marcus might know uh, for, yes. for out here making these moves and, and getting uh, their proper value. Uh, Marcus, where can the people uh, find you? Uh, and and uh, how can they get in touch with you and find out about all the good work you're doing wherever you're doing that good work, brother? Yes, you can find me on social media at Marco Will, M-A-R-C-O-W-I-L-L. Yes, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at in the number eight M-O-Z-A-I-K at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. Check out the Kings of Sport podcast. Let me go ahead and there you go. Let me put myself in the in the, in the spotlight. Uh, check out the Kings of Sport podcast. We got the Patreon, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. $5 gets you in the door for over... 200 hours of audio and video content, sports, politics, pro wrestling, uh, movie reviews. We've got a couple MCU reviews up there, uh, so you can check that out. Uh, I've got the Nubian Wrestling Advocates, the NWA podcast, with myself, Chris Ely, and Andrew Thompson over at Post Wrestling. New episode coming out this week where we talk about uh, the Kenise Mobley situation, among other issues, from our unique perspectives. And uh, the DC TV Podcast Network. I was one of the hosts on the Black Lightning Podcast. That show is over. But uh, we are still around with the Naomi Podcast, uh, the new show coming out next year from uh, Ava DuVernay on the CW. Uh, myself and America's Sweetheart, Brittany Monet, we're going to be doing that show, uh, as well as uh, you know uh, the Lituation Room, which is me and Brittany and the other two co-hosts, Vanessa and Clement, from the Black Lightning Podcast. So if you want to find out more about what I'm doing, just follow me on Twitter at in the number eight M O Z A I K at Nate Mosaic on Twitter. And that's going to do it. That's going to do it for uh, this, this week's uh, episode of the King's Sport podcast. Again, big shout out to our guy Sid, AKA SP three for coming through and uh, talking some hoops with us. Uh, shout out to brother Marcus. And uh, we'll be, we'll be back. We might be back quicker than you think, ladies and gentlemen, uh, me and Marcus might have something in the works for you. So uh, just, Pay attention to your podcast feeds. That's that's yes. all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> all right. So, uh, again, shout out to everybody watching, even even the haters out there. We appreciate y'all for taking the time to check out the show. Uh, okay. Yeah, just making sure to see if Jermaine had any final words of hate, but we good. Yeah, we've, we've cut him off. We've cut him off. Uh, so, for Marcus Vandenberg, for SP3, for everyone watching i'm the godfather nate milton clip city chip city that was that was for you clipadero because <laughs> you've been down with the kings well that's all for this week's edition of the kings of sport be sure to come back next week for an all-new episode 
You can leave feedback for the show on Twitter at KOS underscore POD or via Gmail at thekingsofsport at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and rate us on iTunes and tell a friend. The Kings of Sport is a production of the Mosaic Podcast Network. Whether you like it or not, he's bad. D-A-double-D-Y, that's ass. Let me tell you something, Mean Gene. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to leave it all on the mat. Because that's what I do when I get it done so I can do it. Yeah! I'm on a new level. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Thanks for the footlong, IRL Marshawn. No problem, Tiny Virtual Marshawn.